Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 165, and today we'll be talking about the new episodes that just appeared on the app. I'm GC13. I'm Isabel. I'm Sophia. And I'm David. So, six episodes all at once. Normally we'd call this a bomb, but it wasn't on television. Does that make this the first Steven Torpedo? Um, <laughs> I like the term, and also I would love to keep seeing this format. You know, we were talking about how we wanted them to be sort of like on a weekly basis, but with six episodes, you got, I don't know, a, a good opportunity to sort of live in Beach City for a little while, and also gave it a little more room than normal to carry out sort of one of these arcs. I don't know. This would have been like better than usual for weekly episodes because it seems like there's about a week in between each one. I agree with that. <laughs> Again, spending time in, in Beach City is always better spread out than back to back, especially when, you know, even with six episodes, like you're holding out that emotional arc, but but still you go from the beginning of an hour, Stephen and Connie have a problem to the end of an hour, Stephen and Connie no longer have a problem. So yeah, because that thing was supposed <laughs> yeah. to extend like a month, right? Who and who knows at this point how the writers intend for that to be viewed? So I don't know. I'm just happy that the Cartoon Network app is on Roku. I didn't know this at the start of the weekend, but I was able to upgrade from watching on my phone to watching on my television. So thank you for that, Cartoon Network. I don't know when you got on Roku, but I'm glad you're on Roku now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is being referred to as Stephen Bomb Eight. Kind of officially, unofficially, and also we have had eight freaking Steven bombs. Like this is no longer like, oh my god, another Steven bomb. It's more just like another. Yeah, it's basically yeah. the format for the show now. And I mean, there's a reason that the podcast stopped going and doing an episode a day for the week of the bombs. It's just they're doing this too often. Yeah, we and just especially <laughs> the summer of Steven, we could do nothing. No, 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 no. <laughs> That would not happen. I'm sorry. I mean, they're keeping up this format, too. I completely expect the next run of episodes to be just that, a run of episodes. We're going to hit reunion, and then surely we're going to spend a few extra episodes in space, and that's all going to tie together somehow. I do wonder, though, when these episodes hit TV, will they give them the ordinary weekly release schedule? Mm, I Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they might come out slowly over time, but really, I guys, think guys. it's so low. <laughs> Such guys, a low we've priority had... for them plenty of salt leading up to the bomb let's <laughs> let's celebrate sure sure and enjoy what we have now because we have quite a lot of material to go over <laughs> i mean yeah mm -hmm. so right the triumphant return of kevin <laughs> you know yeah, let's, well <laughs> let's, let, let, let's let's hold back on kevin let's start off with just mayor dewey and his race like how do we have to <laughs> that was done in the show gc wow no but I um know, but... the title of the of the episode was misleading all along dewey does not yeah. win he loses who what do you know they pulled a dewey yeah. defeats truman on us who could have thought right except there's really no in episode explanation as to why they called it dewey wins except that it's the opposite of what happens i don't know if mayor dewey if in any way has changed or improved but but it did kick off this trend of pretty much every episode there in this stretch is some major change happens for somebody's life in either, you know, just like the status of, of where they're at. So like, you know, Mayor Dewey <laughs> loses his job. I don't know. I don't know how he wins out of that. Oh, 
I guess we're, we'll find out. He's going to get a real cool job at the Big Donut. That's a win. Now, oh <laughs> yeah. no, there is a vacancy. <laughs> oh, that's totally, that's almost too predictable now that you've said that. That totally fits. Well, his, remember, his last promise at mayor was to see to it that a new donut boy is hired. <laughs> and, I mean, he loves the city enough. He's not going to leave them high and dry without a donut boy. I, <laughs> yep, well, that theory is pretty much already confirmed for me. <laughs> of course, we still don't even know who the flipping like manager is at the big donut they're just mysteriously yeah, who, in the background oh, yeah. and don't know how to staff the big the donut yeah yeah I, I was actually i was right because i was theorizing that we're gonna get a bunch of quote-unquote slice of life life episodes that are all gonna kind of teach steven uh the lesson about how he hurt connie and really learning from it and that happened actually in the first episode yeah and it was dewey again just like back in political power mm-hmm how it was Dewey who showed him how the crystal gems felt. In this one, Dewey showed Stephen how Connie felt. Yeah, Dewey truly is the most empathetic man in Beach City. No, it's the <laughs> fact that Stephen learns to be exactly not like him. Yeah, and it's nice no, and all, but... No, I, I think this is to Dewey's credit. I the, it, the moment that Stephen sort of has this little realization at the end talking to mayor dewey was it's probably the biggest eye roll moment for me of this yeah. bomb because it it's was, just so dang i mean very heavy obvious handed. yeah just yeah. Uh, i don't know steven was also really insufferable at the you know the start from the preview with uh with connie it's like oh my god steven that's true oh, yeah. slap you boy yeah i mean like that's the point that steven you know he is the human being he is flawed he does sometimes do things that are insensitive, that don't take into account other people's feelings. Like, he thought he was being super virtuous and whatever, but he actually really hurt uh, Connie by doing that. And it was something that he really had to realize that putting yourself in danger doesn't just hurt yourself, it hurts the people who care about you. And that was only the first lesson that Steven learns. We were actually hit with something that wasn't really the lore bomb that we were all hoping for, but it was... Just this huge story the about life lesson. Yeah, mom. life lesson about just interpersonal relationships and like how to deal with when things aren't going great. Because you know, I think it's always easy when your friends, when you and your friends and your loved ones are all joking around having a good time. But when stuff gets serious, like what really matters is how you guys can get through it. Yeah, I really enjoyed just this overall sort of <laughs> negative <laughs> vibes that kept happening episode to episode. Wow. Just like Steven <sighs> genuinely was down. Uh, that's not something that we've seen just over the course of, of six episodes. And also, yeah, you he know, got super into phones for a minute there. Oh, yeah. yeah like, super I can say into phones. being in that exact situation where you piss someone off that you really care about and they're ignoring you. It is the worst feeling on this planet. Just staring there and looking at the at the messages that are just not getting responded, being like getting the false positive from the friend who's talking to you about something <laughs> you just do not care about. Holy <laughs> crap. Like that was just a lot of things in this bomb really hit close to home. And it was really some interesting lessons about like sometimes people are going to take their time to recover. And yeah. so Steven's behavior in Gemcation was a little bit too real. Are you making a joke? No, just an observation. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very real. Yeah, well, speaking of very real, you know, the only 
weird, not real moment of this uh, little bomb was in the beginning of Gemcation, like Garnet, the way she described no. how she was going to, you know, play in with. <laughs> yeah, with like she's reading right. off the script. I don't really, that really did that like confuse anyone else as to how that fit Garnet's character at all. I mean, she's awkward in some of these situations, but yeah, it's like she's reading from a script, but then, you know, she corrects herself. Wait, no, more enthusiastic. And then. It's probably, she's probably quoting what Greg has been, like, training her for, like, right before the scene. Like, he was saying, it's like, okay, you're gonna agree with Amethyst, you're gonna turn to Steven, and you're gonna say it, and Garnet's like, like this? And he's like, no, with more enthusiasm. Right, but I feel like we've seen Garnet be a master empathizer before. I mean, remember, remember, like, uh, oh, jeez, episode name, before we need to talk, but the one where they, uh, see the mutants for the first time. Keeping it together. Yeah, so in, in keeping it together, remember, like, how well Garnet spoke to Steven. That's, like, one of my favorite episodes, and it shows, like, Garnet has this ability to, like, you know, empathize with what Steven's feeling. So it just, uh, that one really threw me off, and I don't know if it's, I hate to throw new storyboarders under, but this uh, episode is actually the second time uh, Madeline has been featured. She was wrote also in Lars's head. So I don't know if that's just a little quirk of her or or what, but so that's interesting. No, because these 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 boards get approved by a lot of people. So yeah, this is this is the general vision that the show wanted. I didn't I didn't like Garnet in this episode because she starts off so perfectly. I know what's troubling you, and then quickly <laughs> she reveals that she does not. It's like Garnet, you have future vision. I did enjoy you that. You know <laughs> exactly what he's going to say. Well, yeah. okay, let's not skip over, <laughs> let's not skip over, um, oh no, it, it, it actually is Gemcation raising the barn. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, yeah, let's go straight into Gemcation. Who else had a good time with that party guy? Yes! Just, the party boy. I think, I think Pearl had party guy all to herself. That was probably <laughs> just the funniest it was weird, but it was so funny. Like they they kept it calling so it a party off the guy. Wall. Like none of them know what a snake is. Where, where right. is that I, even from? I, I, they do know what snakes are because Stephen was it him talking to Amethyst? Yeah, when they he don't said, have any like, arms. Right. of snakes. Like yeah, come on. It's like just this morning you were crying about snakes. That was what Pearl said. They know what a yeah. snake is. Uh, oh, <laughs> I so, think there's like some running joke that they call they call them party guys for some reason. Oh, maybe to not make Steven scared. Hmm, who oh. knows? Yeah, not, he wasn't scared yeah. of snakes. He was he was sad about He them. was sad because they didn't have arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's sure. a Ronaldo joke about his whole snake people theory. Honestly, I don't know. Well, Ronaldo was uh, being really needy about getting his Koala Princess DVDs back. Oh. I would have muted Ronaldo so fast. Like, he sends me that second message and it's been like, boop. You are not giving me any notifications right now. Like, I do not need this. I like how he breaks into Steven's house and uh, takes his takes his DVDs back at the end. Right. This is kind of the role that I like Ronaldo being in. Just off screen, you know, he can shoot some text. That's fine. We don't really need to know, <laughs> like, anything else about him. That's That's good. He can just be doing whatever he's doing in his koala world. We need Ronaldo to do a reaction video to an episode of Koala Princess. Hmm. No, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> or at least I can't believe my stepdad's my sword. What? Maybe to see those 
shows, but I don't know if I won't need Ronaldo voicing over them. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, Jim Cation, other good moments. There was, I always enjoy when they actually take advantage of the fact that the show's from Steven's perspective. So, you know, him peering through the door while yeah. Greg and the Gems talk was good. Uh, I think Pearl kind of stole the show, though, with her physical inability to talk about Homeworld. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so, we yeah. all let's, caught let's on to that, Let's go straight right? into that point. Um, so that was the probably first... the most Lori part, right? Yeah. yeah, so the first time that I watched that, I thought nothing of it. I thought Pearl just Same. had been, for 5,000 years, had been training herself not to talk about it. And just after all this time, being emotionally and honest about what happened is really difficult and that like it can sometimes feel like a physical limitation but people are starting to theorize that pro she is literally, at, like, literally cannot, explain. cannot explain either because even with sock puppets yeah and so i don't know like i just i don't know what to believe i don't know what to believe i mean definitely the first time i watched it i didn't really notice that she struggled against her hand, like actually pulling one hand, pulling her other arm away from her mouth. So it definitely looks like, yeah, she's somehow pre-programmed not to talk about it or was somehow conditioned to. And if I just had to take a wild guess, this may provide an opportunity for us to go into Pearl's gem. Just a suggestion that- Crossing your fingers? That might be, well, I don't know if I particularly care about going into Pearl's gem, but I just feel that uh, if they're gonna like figure out how to- make Pearl talk about it. It might be a good opportunity for Steven to practice healing the mental state of a gem. And that could lead into corruption healing as well. Who knows? Mm. You know, let me just write the show over here in my armchair. It's great. But uh, yeah. Okay. But I I do want to say something about Dewey Wins because last week on the show, I said that I would be watching it from the point of view of homeworld politics. Well, they made it abundantly clear what the point of the episode was to, to get Steven to understand Connie's position. But I am very curious about the possibility that Rose and Pink had their confrontation at the Palanquin, but Pink was never shattered. She abdicated to Rose. Hmm. I mean, I I don't think that's actually what happens, Uh, uh, but it's an interesting... Define abdicated. That's where a ruler is like, okay, I'm not ruler anymore. You can be ruler now. Okay, yeah. They don't, they don't die, they just leave. I mean, who else was expecting, like, Pearl saying, you know, Stephen, I, and then finishing yeah, that sentence I with shatter, shatter rose of Shattered Pink Diamond? That is another possibility. I or mean, she could just be saying, I love you. You know, I mean, she's, mm, has she ever said that? No, Garnet's the only one who said that. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm it's not track. a stretch for the show to have something that we wouldn't even like connect and see that it's symbolism for like it it could be that this is hinting at that a similar situation happened with rose and pink diamond and also you guys have bashed this idea before because you think the diamond's too big but i still think that shattered or even complete pink diamond might fit within the treasure chest within lion's mane i don't know but yeah it seems like a possibility i mean they have extra dimensional everything else that's true. Even if it didn't fit in the what we think is the size of the treasure chest, we don't know what it looks like in there. So it could have part of it. Who knows? It could be a map to it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, who and who map, else noticed so. um, when Pearl was covering her mouth, like there was the music that was accompanying it. Right, the kind uh, of music that accompanies a flashback. Piano. I so. normally don't pick up on the music. 
well, music as a story cue. I pick up on music as an awesome background track, like at Kevin's party. Well, it wasn't a background. It was like literally playing to when she was covering her mouth. No, I, I missed that. So now right. I need to watch the entirety of freaking Steven Universe and be like, every single time Pearl covers her mouth, which could literally just be a character trait. There are people who cover their mouths a lot. And be like, but does this mean something? You know, I saw a little post about that. I haven't checked out the subreddit too much, but, you know, people have been trying to look at it, but but we've never really seen this struggle against it before. The closest scene we got was, you know, episode title again. There's <laughs> making a me shot forget. in Back to the Moon that has her not only clenching her gut, but covering her mouth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when they're walking up the mm. stairs and, like, Pearl covers her mouth, to me, that gets the closest to this kind of moment there's also when she's you know talking to steven after jeez after they ran away after she ran away it's like the floating uh, island. rose's scabbard yeah and rose's scabbard she also does a similar thing but she's like crying and it's not really the same yeah. she's not trying to get out something so. yeah i don't know this is a really new development yeah and i mean like the I kind of see. gesture of covering your mouth when you have a lot of emotion it's very pearl yeah. Like, it's very much a character trait that you would expect of someone like Pearl. So I don't think it, it makes sense that none of us thought anything of it until she was, like... Desperately trying to say something to Steven. Yeah, yeah. but... Yeah. I still feel like it could just be that she can't talk about it because it's hard. Maybe. We'll just have to wait and see. I, I feel like we do a lot of that. Also, I think it's interesting that Pearl so like deeply wanted to show steven homeworld when her experience of homeworld has been like almost entirely as a slave so right as far as we can yeah. interpret right because that's when they're created they go into the role they were created for and we're assuming that pearls start off in the servant class so who knows if there's stuff we don't know i'm just very curious to know how did pearl expect to be there with steven to show him homeworld like yeah how is that gonna yeah, play out like. on a ship I mean, maybe if Pink died. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Isabel, yeah. on a ship. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot we don't know about Homeworld, right? Like, we've seen a fusion statue long forgotten on the floor of the of Homeworld before. We have no idea, like, how old right. Pearl really is and what some of her, you she know, could, like could have existed in an era where a lot more things were free and open and maybe she had a much different view of Homeworld. And maybe she wasn't even a slave to someone. So there's a lot of uh, things we don't know. Back when I served Homeworld, hmm. remember that quote, oh. which was like second only to the bait of what we just got in this bomb? Yeah. I don't know. Peridot's backstory is weird. She was only a few thousand years old when she started serving Rose Quartz, who, as far as Homeworld knows, was built, was made on Earth. Um, so that puts her only a couple thousand years older than the Earth colony itself. But, like, if Rose were Pink Diamond, then, like, if Steven is ever revealed to be Pink Diamond, then, of course, he could go to Homeworld with his Pearl. I'm just saying. Uh... <laughs> I still believe really? that that is a real possibility, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to argue against it, though, because I still... There's a lot There's a lot of weirdness with the mystery... The mysteries that are still unanswered so who knows i mean it's it's anyone's ball game at this point 
But I guess that, so does that bring us to raising the barn? Yeah, I was about to say. So moving moving on to Lapis. Lapis, Lapis, Lapis. So first of all, I love that they sort of called out in this episode. I I didn't write down the exact quote, but uh, as Peridot and Steven are walking out of the forest, Peridot says something to the effect of like, oh, you know, Lapis needs more consistency, which like killed me because we talked about like how Lapis as a consistent character is a problem. And then also she mentioned something about them like uh, not having a lot to do or like something where it reminded me of like, oh yeah, Peridot and Lapis also haven't been very relevant to the plot. They need something to do and Lapis needs a little more consistency. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like it was sort of a call out to those things, but... Yeah, so now we're getting rid of who I thought was the more interesting character still, or the character to know more about. So, by Lapis, that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. We hardly knew you. <laughs> uh, I'm predicting this. This is what came on my mind right now. Um, crucial moment in the plot, Lapis comes, realizing the mistake in her leaving. Or not, not mistake, but realizing she still cared about the Earth more than she was afraid of being imprisoned again. And save Steven in one glorious moment. Maybe she poofs Yellow Diamond by dropping the barn on her. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what we need. Wizard of Oz style. Oh my god, the funniest comic I saw was, I think it was before the one hour special with Steven who was in space. And it was like Steven against the diamonds. He grabs the, the destabilizer, destabilizes one of the diamonds and bubbles it. And the freaking bubble appears in the basement <laughs> in the gem plate uh, <laughs> oh my god That's it's like okay well we're dead now yeah that was fun well if you poof the other diamond I mean what are you gonna do <laughs> that's it it's time for a civil war Woo! yeah but no um hmm. but man Lapis is a very depressing character in this episode isn't she I, I don't blame her really for wanting to run well no that's not it it's the the revelation of what her relationship with peridot is like i mean back back in beta it was funny to hear peridot say you know i I try not to throw the j word so loosely around here you know it's like oh look at look at look at her uh handling lapis with the kid gloves when she doesn't need that and then no lapis really does need the kid gloves no but it's interesting because like there's it, it, I think the show is demonstrating that there is a difference between just not saying the things like not needlessly upsetting someone versus not being honest about your needs. Yeah. I I thought that that was a good message. Again, the the difference between subtext versus in your face obvious lesson was uh not exactly carefully balanced for my taste <laughs> in this, but uh it's a good thing to show kids nonetheless and i I thought it demonstrated it well um obviously you know lapis doesn't get the hint though that you know peridot's emotional display of honesty should have been rewarded but that's that's okay i I mean she took the whole bar yeah i think it's a little unfair that she took their home completely but (laughs) like where's the divorce lawyer splitting their possessions seriously You know, one piece of subtext we didn't get, though, is, like, I just did not feel there's definitely, like, no romantic tension, relationship tension at all between Peridot and Lapis that I felt from from this. So for anyone out there who's 
that kind of shipper. Uh, I didn't feel it. Total, total yeah. friendship. So, uh, uh. <laughs> poor pumpkin though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we had the fall episode, it's always the pumpkin kids who made, suffer. Uh, more sense. The more I see pumpkin, it's a cute character, but also I keep thinking like it, he just has like this eternal fall vibe to him. So she? I don't know. It's interesting. Misgender uh, the pumpkin. I, I don't know where's he staying now. Is Peridot? She came back to the house, but yeah, last we saw, she was in her temple. Is roaming this world. Yeah, she's Stephen's new dog. In quotes, just like lion is the dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm allergic to dogs. What? resident of the planet earth doesn't know the difference between a lion and a dog uh, i don't know people do their dogs up in some really weird yeah but they're the size of a lion with the face of a lion and the mane of a lion do you think kevin cares about the possessions of someone who isn't him kevin's just, kevin's too conceited to care about someone's stuff i mean like remember he thought that steven was clarence and i think if we can all agree that on one thing steven is uh. no clarence that was that was a uh, clearly a reference to the other Cartoon Network show. show. Yeah. But also, a very clear reference. I mean, my car's name is Clarence, so. <laughs> right. Well, first we want to talk about back to the kindergarten. Before yeah, we so go to yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin. So back just keeping the, well, track of things that changed so far, we got Mayor Dewey. No longer mayor. Yeah. We got Lapis out in space. Here in yep. Back to the Kindergarten, we don't exactly have a shift in the status of Beach City, but we do have what I think is probably the most powerful lesson for kids out of out of all, all the episodes, seeing that the kindergarten truly cannot be recovered. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting for them to explore. When I saw like the title, I was like, what can we possibly do in the kindergarten again? Like... We we've been here enough. I don't know what we're gonna get out of this, and and it was interesting for them to explore the sort of smaller story of like, you know, Peridot struggling. Like I thought they combined that well, like Peridot's feelings of being abandoned and then trying to put her efforts into into the kindergarten, and then the lesson was kind of mm, the last point was kind of quickly shoved in there at the end, like oh yeah, look at the flowers everywhere else. That's cool, but overall, like I thought they pulled it off decently. Yeah, and it's the kind of the lesson of um, just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to recover. And, like, doesn't mean you shouldn't try to, like, distract yourself and to still build relationships and be productive and have a good time. Like, just giving up and wallowing in your emotions is not the best way for you to kind of go about feelings of loss and, and relationship problems. Because those can really suck. And I think the whole point of the bomb was that interrelational problems suck a lot they hurt a lot and the whole bomb really just spent that time validating those feelings because a lot of them are like oh you know it's just a it's just a friend you know get off your phone blah 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 but like everyone cared and was and was considerate of the other's emotions like even though the gems didn't understand what steven was going through they really did care and they really did try and make him feel better for sure uh, speaking from a lore perspective, what I was most interested in is the confirmation of how the kindergarten works. <laughs> Taking, yeah, that—that's me. The, the yeah, lore. I know. Yeah. I was about to say. I figured GC's ears 
perked up. <laughs> yeah, perked when up Paradox that, started explaining that. That was basically exactly my theory, that there's some energy necessary for sustaining life that the kindergarten sucks out and puts into gems. And sure enough, yeah. not only does Paradox explain it, they demonstrate that those sunflowers with uh, perfectly healthy soil planted underneath them, dead. Like, and not like dead because it's not very sunny down there, but dead because like they crumbled up into dust. Well, it, it, I don't think it can be uh, referred to as perfectly healthy soil at this point. Well, th- no, they brought in brand new right, soil. Right, they brought in outside. soil and it still oh. failed. Yeah. Hmm. You know, as if to clarify, nope, it's not because the ground here sucks. It's because it's the kindergarten. That yeah. also gave us more of an insight into just how much Peridot has realized about the Earth. Like, we sort of know, obviously, since she called Yellow Diamond a Claude, that she had certain feelings about the earth but but they felt a lot more vague back then or just sort of like they were more in support of steven and the gems than they were really of of the beauty of earth or something but now and she's very clearly explained you know that she sees the beauty of life and and she's really disturbed by how gems destroy life she didn't yeah. give a lot of credit though to how gems are st- possibly yeah, still, still a good thing though alive. the show has something to reckon there like where or reconcile where it's like we want to preserve life and life is cool but also like does that mean just gems shouldn't exist or we shouldn't make any more gems mm-hmm. like it's kind of weird it's kind of weird that gems mm-hmm. require the destruction of existing life in order to be produced or we're assuming that uh, maybe it's just general resources from a planet that could be extracted we don't know if it specifically has to be life force or something but yeah i don't know like is earth the first planet that had organic life that was impacted by the the gem colonies exactly we don't know we don't know what it requires now we saw like the beta kindergarten was out in what looked like a desert so it's kind of like what were they sucking out there like it's not exactly this just beautifully lush region well deserts can have life in them it's just that they don't normally have the water to do it sure maybe maybe a barren planet is the is the same as a desert you know it doesn't have the physical conditions for life on it but it still has that energy there that could support life if you could terraform the planet properly yeah because life isn't about the energy it's about the chemicals yeah, so so the gems absorb something else, something that our real world physics haven't identified. Yeah, it's kind of going back into that magic realm again. Whereas we've started yeah. seeing the, seeing the gems and everything about them is explainable by scientific phenomena. This is some really advanced thing or <laughs> or magic thing that's kind of like, well, life and gems come from magic sources again so that's kind of neat magic to us but scientific to the gems because the gems can measure it and affect it sure so it's it's still using scientific principles it's just fake science instead of real world science (laughs) yeah it's interesting because um the show from the beginning was so much about magical mystical gems and it's kind of changed and evolved into something that's almost completely sci-fi like no one's mentioned the word magic as yeah you know, since like, when was the last time? I remember uh, Pearl referring to fusion as magic. Yeah, in fusion cuisine. In the message that I, I know, in the message, she referred to their ancient magic or their magical technology or something. Huh. Oh, with the with the speakers. Yeah, yeah the wailing stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that that fight, it, it was fun to see Smoky Quartz again and how she winked for the camera. 
That was adorable. <laughs> yeah. I love Smokey. Yeah. I, you know, it was interesting to see a little fight scene. This was like the only major fight scene in this bomb. Uh, there's still, you know, as we head toward being in space, Steven Universe has never been amazing at, at creating fight scenes. And, and this sort of <laughs> reminded me of that, where it's sort of like, like the turnip monster goes into the hole. Steven runs down the hole, and then we just get a shot that's just like already, you know, whoever like Amethyst is already like holding the turnip. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, there's like missed action there. Uh, this is all sort of vague feelings just to say, eh, on the on the, on the action yeah, scene. It's like, never been an action-based series. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah. So, but it's like Smoky Quartz in her introduction had really cool. Like, I like the yo-yo stuff they did with her early mm-hmm. on. So, I understand that that couldn't be the focus here potentially. But you know, keep on, keep on trying, Crewniverse. Keep on pushing yourself on any chance you have with a fight scene. You know, even if it's just against a silly turnip monster. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Sadie Killer. Yeah, cool, the cool kids. Always love the cool kids. Episode, I love. Right? The double relatedness of being the minimum wage worker, putting up with the kind of the, the nitpicky customers, and being the nitpicky customer. I am the person who takes all the napkins. This is my <laughs> that was I loved that running joke. That joke was amazing. I'm just sad that they didn't rule of three it. <laughs> they should have had it happen a third time. That was it was still such a good joke. Just taking all the napkins. Because I'm the person who, like, opens up the napkin dispenser to grab a big handful. Because I know how they all work. Because I've been the one who... I refill them in my own job. And they're always free. <laughs> but it's yeah, funny because then, like... Them. I'll be restocking or something and I'll see this lady come up and she'll be, like, shoving plastic forks into her purse. And I'm like, okay. Come on, huh? You know? That's That's not cool. I mean, I'm not going to say <laughs> anything. I don't pay for it, but... You know. How about that? So I, I just have to say this, the the coffee with, uh, what was it, sugar and cream, hold the coffee. Can that be anyone's order but Buck's? <laughs> uh, yeah, that definitely sounds like something Buck would say as he just slowly orders things, right? We already know that he uh, is pretty unfamiliar with the donut shop anyway, so. Well, he was probably just trolling Lars, but. Oh, God, and then, like, and split it evenly through these, like, five different methods of payment. God. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that was just such a uh, good joke. And then, uh, oh man, Sadie got super into her song. Seriously. Like and no one even oh. questioned it as she just started, like, shoving donut filling. <laughs> oh, no, no. They were, like, they were like, whoa, Sadie's real intense. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of a little bit sad that we didn't get to see the music festival. I know, but I'm, oh. I'm confident that we will see this band together in another episode there's there's well, no way we don't sadie doesn't have any other gig going on now so this was another major change uh it's interesting all these chess pieces they're moving like all right sadie's free from the donut job now so what does that mean for her what is that how are they going okay to so ronaldo is going to become the mayor so that they have room at the fry shop for sadie but that means yellow diamond's going to have to front for the band how does that work out hmm yeah, so I'm obviously not as good at playing chess as the Crewniverse is, so I don't know what these things mean, but yeah, possibly Sadie, we'll, we might see her again in the band. And this is a nice realization of, uh, you know, her character as far as her little short musical career goes, you know, from being embarrassed to now. 
just yeah. quitting her job. That's kind of good for well, her life. We don't know what kind of bills Sadie pays, but she, she could lives potentially with her mother. Have, yeah, yeah, she could be potentially saving a whole bunch of money. So we'll see. Maybe yeah. her music career kicks off, her singing career, I mean, and she. Be fair. Does Does Sadie's mother look like the kind of person who's going to throw Sadie out because she doesn't want to work at the big donut? Well, Sadie's <laughs> no. mother may like be having financial issues and be asking for rent. Like that could be a possibility. Hey, Greg still has nine million dollars and true. would love to invest true. in young artists. He could completely and entirely break the Beach City economy. <laughs> also, though, shout out though that dude's Greg some not he is spending at a dangerous rate. I mean, from the it, has it been a year since he earned ten million? You should not be spending one tenth of ten million dollars in a you know in a year. Well, like, he did. Come on, dude, start with the hotel investing in the yacht. Yeah, like I yikes. think a yacht I, is a big chunk, and so after this, I think he learned his lesson. Yeah, and maybe you <laughs> cannot spend on expensive things with the gems around. Things get broken. Party guys happen. <laughs> well, we don't know if he's buying the the rented house <laughs> back in. No, thankfully, they just... left that in good condition. He probably had to buy those shoes that Pearl threw out, though. I mean, you did. Th- she didn't throw them far. You just dust them off, put them back. I don't know. Kind of place that says you can't use the water dispenser or the clock. How do you how do you not use a clock? <laughs> you know, yeah, don't look that's at a it. great question. That is hilarious. <laughs> I had, it's like daylight savings isn't gonna uh, dictate what time it is for me, and don't change it. But yeah, Sadie Killer, really good. I loved the napkin joke. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. That I, I know I want to talk about Kevin Party. All right, so then, oh. yeah, let's go into it. So Ooh. it's hey, everybody, Kevin's back. Yeah, a, a great reason for you know Stephen and Connie to see each other again and close up this little arc. I didn't really know we'd be seeing Kevin again this soon, so it's interesting the small new angles we got on on him. I thought it was really great to see how quick on the uptake Stephen was. Wait a minute, did you tell all this to her? Like, usually he doesn't figure this stuff out, but he figured out really quick how how Kevin got Connie to go to the party. Huh. Yeah, well, he's a lot more, uh, you know, able to process things when he's yeah, on he's, that heightened alert for Connie. So he's, he's 14 now, so. Yeah. Moving up in the world. Yeah. Um, Hanging out with cool teens. A little thing. The guy, the teenager wearing the beanie in the pool. That is... I thought that was just really oh, funny. Yeah, all those all those teens, like the two guys just sitting on, on the steps, just like <laughs> nodding the whole time, one of them with like one of those huge juice drinks. Like, great. That's great stuff. <laughs> no, but I think it was a joke at those teenagers who just wear a beanie no matter what weather it is, no matter what situation they're in at any given moment. Or if you're in a pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or if you're in a pool. So I really like that joke because I, te- I can sometimes be that teenager. I love the I love the music during the I, whole mm-hmm. Let's Live sequence. I totally agree. Like it really pushed it it was just the kind of annoy like the not annoying, but just like this stressful music playing that just sort of like I don't know, they I felt like they really timed the dialogue well along with the music to like just push you to feel uncomfortable and like you just wanted the moments between Steven and Kevin to end and you just wanted things to like move on. Like it just kept getting more stressful and you were like God, will someone just turn off this music? <laughs> so. Real talk, though. I think I think Stephen and Kevin may actually have a future fusing together because 
Did you see how easily they synchronized their dancing, a key component of <laughs> traditional fusion? You're right. <laughs> yeah. And then when they were ta- bo- talking to Connie, they're like, no way, we're, we're not friends. They, they both said the same thing and had the same hand movements. Right. If you'd pushed one of them towards the other, it might have become... Yeah, what, I, what would we even call that? Kev even? Uh, I mean, I'm just seven? saying that if this was if this was Pacific Rim and they needed someone to pilot a Jaeger, I think Steven and Kevin are drift compatible. Well, it could be like the dance that they did. It could be like the Thriller, which has specific dance moves, you know? Yeah, that Steven and Kevin would both know the same dances. Yeah. Well, don't underestimate Steven's ability to be in it with pop culture. Who knows? Eh, he has true. the internet. I don't know. I, I just remember that I wanted at one point Stephen to fuse with Jasper to to show her a better way. Uh, maybe I had the right idea, but instead of a gem, it's a human. He's got to show a better way too. Yeah, who I knows? Don't know. That would be really surprising. <laughs> I uh, liked how it kind of revealed that Kevin acts the way he did is because he's insecure, and how he's like a little bit pathetic in the way that he. Right. I mean, he's he's uh, a big, he's a real jerk. Meanie. And, uh, I mean, I feel like we already knew he was insecure and stuff. It was interesting to hear that he was struggling with a breakup who also that breakup sort of sounds like, I mean, you know, her name happened to start with the same letter of the person that Hmm. Pearl took interest in. That person seemed a little bit older. Yeah. Mystery girl seemed a little bit older than, uh, so I don't know if Kevin is somehow older than he seems or who knows, but it was interesting because why bother to give I'm us a name? I'm gonna please beg the crew not to have a Pearl versus Kevin try and get the romantic attention. So oh, I, <laughs> let's yeah, be fair. Yikes. Does Kevin even have a chance against Pearl? No, but I don't want to see that to episode say. anyway. <laughs> yeah, and that would be actually kind of funny seeing like Kevin constantly competing with Pearl for her attention, and then the Pearl winning every time without even without even trying. Well. Because Pearl's the best. Well, I'm just thinking like that one roller rink poster that we've seen. Hmm. Oh, could like be a future episode. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Um. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's like tons of other like highlights I can think of, like Kevin's horrible phone with a ball for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he's got a BlackBerry. Like, yeah, he has, yeah. still has a BlackBerry. Which somehow right, just totally obnoxious. <laughs> I'm gonna say this: I I kind I kind of like fake freaked out when when Kevin bestowed upon Stephen his scarf. It's like Lord Kevin bestows upon you his scarf of plus six charisma. Hmm. Feel humbled, peasant. What are you referencing? Nothing really. Uh. So anyway, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Kevin party, you know, we all face those awkward moments, uh, you know, when you just not face, you just don't understand what the other person's saying, you know, Connie felt that way, and uh, it was an interesting little reunion there at the end, uh, again, a little too saccharine for my taste, just the whole thing with, with them was fine, I still feel like Steven didn't learn the lesson I wanted him to learn, which is that he made a really stupid choice, not not by not fusing with Connie and... <laughs> 
and you know all that stuff like and and not like and not having a brilliant action trusting sequence. her it's just that he just should have you know should not have been like i'm my mom and i'm responsible for this like i don't know if he learned that or not like i feel like he still thinks he was responsible but also he just should have done it with connie like i think like he needs to learn the other lesson which is not that he should do stuff with connie and like trust her but like that he should not think that he's his mom and has to turn himself in like that was so dumb it was so dumb well, i he think didn't by that right that. he could blame paradot <laughs> just as much as he could name blame himself you know so right <laughs> yeah honestly oh <laughs> yeah that also so reminded did, did me did anyone just... get flashbacks to steven and korea on the cool out outfit that kevin gave him yeah he was definitely blinged oh. out uh i love that outfit it was very cute I definitely loved. What was the guy's? What was Kevin's friend's name? That he Derek, stole well, he's not Derek. his friend. That's true. He's not his friend. Kevin doesn't even really know what friends do <laughs> yeah. for How each do other. But yeah, I liked Derek. How do people treat their friends? Yeah, just like Derek. You know, that was. <laughs> Thought I told you to go buy more ice. <laughs> yeah, classic Derek. So <laughs> that is so Derek. Also, they were drinking uh, age-appropriate yeah, they... energy drinks. They were, those are definitely, like, yeah, sure. It's a very high dollar energy drink, Sophia. It's some Jaeger bombs, probably. That's what they were getting at. But yeah, that's not going to be a teenager party. That's not going to be a party hosted by Kevin. That's not going to have age inappropriate uh, beverages. That's true. Unless, you know, Kevin did say it was a really lame party. So really? <laughs> I, I love that. You Are you all having fun? Liars! <laughs> right. You guys are so I, fake. She's going to make you feel as sick as me. And I'm just thinking as sick on the inside. <laughs> I, I wonder if that uh, subtext was intended. That was so funny. It's like, I want these old people to say my name when they die. <laughs> he's just like, he's funny. Kevin is brilliant. I love him. He's the funniest. Yeah. Uh... So, yeah. So overall impressions, just like how well did you guys feel? I mean, did you like this? arc overall the fact that they had connie in the background i mean i enjoyed seeing steven sort of just in a more somber tone you know there were still plenty of tears still plenty of like stevenhood in it you know he wasn't completely just like lost in sadness but like did you enjoy that vibe did you i loved it i mean we kind of talked about like that we probably preferred it over broken up over weeks but like any other thoughts on that no i thought the episodes were really good but oh so sad I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the kind of the direction that they took and kind of exploring the more just what it's like to grow up and have complex relationships with people and how you can mess them up and how it sucks and how it feels bad and how you have to try and make it better and how it's not easy. I just I loved it. It was very, very nice. Yeah, for me, I... I'm kind of nervous to go back out in space because <laughs> I like I like these beach city. You know, it's just a calmer tone. Things still went by pretty fast, especially when you're watching them just back to back. I'm always it's always a little painful watching, you know, some of these things go through in 11 minutes. Like there's just some things they could linger on more, or have a little more space to breathe between people. Just learn lessons quick and subtext becomes surface text sometimes when you only have 11 minutes to present it. So at least the episode starting their trek back into space will be a two-parter. We'll see if they use that freedom to have that room to breathe. But oh, uh, yeah. based on the preview, yeah. it's fast moving. So, Oh boy, yeah. Yeah, so what is, what's the news on the future of Steven? 
Uh, no news. It hits TV next month, probably. I think I said the 22nd would be the first Friday in winter. Yeah, I, you know, my hopeful self says, you know, again, first week, second week of January, they do the same thing they've done for the past year or two and include some new Steven Universe episodes along with other shows. So that's probably when we'll see at least the two-parter reunion. I mean, they will sometimes air uh, on the last week in December. So if not the 22nd, then maybe the, the probably the 29th, because they did say December to someone. Hopefully they can remember because that's a it's a long time in the future and cartoon network <laughs> is very forgetful sometimes sometimes frequently every every once in a while hey man i just i don't want to get a hiatus a bomb in a hiatus please anything and it's one of those like indefinite hiatuses where we just know nothing you know steven universal air uh, whenever we feel like it yeah. Maybe if we all email the <laughs> the marketing department, like, please. Surely. Let's all just snail mail them of- and, you know, $20 enclosed. Please give me Steven. <laughs> we slide them a 20. Well, it's yeah, a lot a 20... of us sliding them 20s. It adds up. Uh, well, we'll see. Um. But it is interesting, too, for me that for the, you know, what, we got up to episode 10 of season five in this. So we have supposedly another 16 episodes to go with all the things that they had in this episode. You know, Sadie quit in her job, Mayor Dewey, all that. It's interesting with the amount of time left, like, does this lead inevitably to another season? Like, I just feel that now they're creating even more potential stories in addition to the old mysteries about homeworld that we still have to answer and deal with like i just don't see what kind of resolution we're going to come to within another 16 episodes which is you know roughly four more bombs so probably probably let's say three bombs pretty much right uh especially if they're gonna do some six episode one as another six episode one so yeah well i think we got the the crew hinting at the show's about to kick off really really soon so i could see in 16 episodes everything starts uh coming crashing down like the next episode we get for steven is probably like that two-parter thing with lars I mean, the Fire Nation is already attacked. Everything's already changed. What more do they want to do to us? The diamonds on oh. Earth? Yeah, yeah like, I mean, I don't as soon even... as the diamonds come to Earth, that's a conflict that's super hard to resolve. And we don't even know, like, again, what is the what does it mean for Steven Universe to be resolved? How on Earth do we yeah. deal with like, these two powerful gonna... diamonds? We can't kill them, and we can't, gosh, just change their minds? In 16 episodes, that would feel incredibly rushed and well, ridiculous. We could sure. give them a nephew... Oh. What? What? Huh? They can't be mad at their nephew. They can't destroy their oh, nephew. Oh, because you think planet. it's the. He's the pink diamond. Yes. Oh. <laughs> right. If we somehow find out I'm that. I'm just saying. If they ever. If the crew universe is ever like, oh, we wrote ourselves into a corner, they can be like, hey, that one crackpot on the internet still thinks that Rose is Pink Diamond. <laughs> that one How about crackpot. we just make it look like he was right the whole time? Yeah. 
You know, all this time we thought Rippy Roo showed up and stuffed her into his pouch, but no, let's go with this instead. I yeah. want. I, who knows? There's so uh, many threads. There's still the cluster. I want to see Rose's um hole. That sounded really bad. I want to see. Okay, right. Yeah, I want to see Rose's hole. Let's dig into that. Sure. The. It, it would no. be like it would be like Jasper's hole, except like the the biceps would have like little extra definition. No, I I want to see and yeah the, the hole that she came out of the ground from. Please, that would be. Yeah, that's a great question, though, where some of those original gems came from. Like we saw again, forget like, you know, I talked about that. There's lots of open plots points and and stories. So we saw a room full of rose quartz gems. I feel like they showed us that because there is something special about rose quartz gems. I mean, obviously, yeah, they were tied with pink diamond. But like, what did what did it mean for pink diamond to, you know, her only planet seemingly to be the Earth and her having this special class of gems and then this one gem from that class of gems rise up against her like there's a lot there and where were those created i mean supposedly we've seen the prime and beta kindergarten but those were made like to just create base soldiers i mean i guess they were quartz gems potentially rose quartzes were also made in the same place that jaspers and amethysts were made but i don't know I mean, maybe maybe instead of having Prime and Beta, there was a uh, Pink Diamond's personal. Who knows? I don't know. Nor we'll see if the Crewniverse knows within another 16, and if they don't, season 6. We hope, we Ooh. hope. So, I guess that's a particularly long episode for us. Uh, I guess everybody can join us next week. Uh, until then, I'm GC13. I'm Isabel. I'm Sophia. And I'm David. Leave us a review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.